Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. So I'm sitting down uh, with Greg Hansen. He uh, he invited me out uh, not too long ago to uh, would you call it a festival or screening series? Uh, Infest is a yeah, it's like a monthly screening series that I do uh, at the Spectacle, which is a micro cinema in Brooklyn. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it's a recurring screening series every month. I try and do two or three uh, screenings at the theater that are you know typically I like to do. A short program and a feature, um, or a couple of features. With I typically like to pair shorts with them too, because uh, I'm a short filmmaker and I like uh, being able to show people stuff that they probably wouldn't be able to see anywhere else. So. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was I was talking to somebody recently about that very thing about how the uh, you know it used to be that you actually had to go to things like screening series and festivals and whatnot to just to see a short film at all. It's kind of interesting how that format went from being obscure to, to obnoxiously available. Yeah. Um, but I remember, so, so Greg and I went to, uh, Emerson college. Uh, I think I was a few years ahead. I actually, I think I was out of, I was out of school when you were finishing up your BFA yeah. and, um, and your, uh, I guess thesis advisor, um, Catherine Ramey contacted, or I, I think you either knew of my trauma stuff or she knew about it and was like, yeah, contact him. Do you remember any of that? Yeah, I think I think Catherine said to uh, to to give you a shout because you had done some stuff that was in a similar vein, and yeah, and you'd be able to give me some good feedback um, as somebody who uh, of the faculty is actually making the kind of stuff that I was making. Yeah, it wasn't too common around Emerson that, that anybody was making like any kind of straightforward, like embracing B movie in in that kind of way. I yeah. remember your so yeah, I had made a couple of uh, I made one film that had been acquired by Trauma, and then another that had screened at Trauma Dance. And um, I remember sitting down with uh, with a few faculty members uh, who were actually really supportive, surprisingly supportive, like Rob Zabal. Mm-hmm. Um, but we sat down and watched. I want to say that it was shot on sixteen millimeter reversal black and white or was it negative it was negative but yeah it was it was 16 it was uh black and white um yeah i mean it was uh, a 17 minute monster movie yeah Uh, it was awesome it it, it was way outside the scope of uh of anything that that other student filmmakers were doing especially at that school which kind of puts a lot of emphasis on uh new media creations and and uh a little uh, experimental so you didn't see a lot of stuff like that and i was like thrilled that i was like oh good (laughs) <laughs> things like this still exist um did you ever end up doing what, what was the title of that movie uh monster bad moonies lake did you do anything with that yeah i mean it's uh it's played around a bit um it uh, it had a premiere at the hundred dollar film festival which is an all uh eight millimeter and 16 millimeter uh film festival in uh canada i think in calgary mm. um and they only they only screen stuff off film uh and uh, it's played here and there. It played in. It recently played in uh, in Vienna. Um, it played Michigan at the Thriller Chiller Film Festival. But uh, for the most part, it 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 hasn't done a, a whole lot 
comparatively um, just because I think it was the film that uh, where I learned how to make films in a lot of ways. Like I, it was, it, I think it was the step from being uh, a student filmmaker to sort of making product that uh, would be able to be consumed by people who didn't know me and really appreciate it. So I find that fascinating because we all go through that. Uh, there's, there's like that, that one project that kind of, um, that makes your balls drop just a little bit (laughs) and it, it, it tends to happen when you take a leap into a project that you don't necessarily know that you're able to complete, or you don't know if you're going to be able to get your head around the, you know, the technical stuff or, or whatever. And so, you know, for me, it was, it was this naivete that I could make a feature film, but what I had on my side was that I shot it on the 24 P uh, DV camera. Mm. And so I was, at le- I at least had that on my side where I was like, I have lots of, I can fuck up a lot. <laughs> so I could just, I could shoot for three years, fuck up lots and maybe make some kind of half-ass ice sculpture out of all this footage. And you had, a, I, you know, if that's your film. So talk about what did you make before, uh, that movie? Um, I mean, in high school, uh, you know, I did a whole bunch of stuff with friends, you know, couple of shorts here and there, stuff for school. We'd always try and weasel into making a, a, a video project where we could. Um, in high school, I actually, I made a feature with a couple of friends. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, a zombie movie called uh, Hey, You've Got Zombies in Your Backyard. <laughs> um, which, similarly, was, like, shot it on, like, a GL2 uh, over, like, six months. Yeah. Um, and had, you know, I mean, having having 25 takes of something wasn't outrageous. You right, know? right. <laughs> until, until, like, the people that you asked to come start to look around and look at their watch and, like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> They're like, I thought we were just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, well, surprisingly, I was able, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I was really blessed because it was, like, one of one of my brother's older friends, my brother's five years older, and one of his bandmates was like, hey, write me a, a zombie movie with kung fu in it. And I was like, okay, what do you want? Like, how long do you want? How old are you at this point? You're like 16. I was, yeah, I was 16. And he's like, go write it for me. Yeah. So with with, with aspirations to direct whatever you came out with or what? uh, With aspirations to, uh, I guess, be in it. Um, it, uh, it, I mean, that's what it ended up being was, was that he, he was like the main character. My guess Uh, is that he had some kind of Kung Fu background and he wanted to put it on screen. No. Um, (laughs) He was just a guy. <laughs> he was just my brother's older friend. Okay. Um, he was like 29, I guess. And he was, he was a cool looking guy and he was nice and, and uh, he, he, he wasn't an actor. He was a musician. Um, but I guess it was just like I was looking for an excuse to make a project and he just wanted to make a project. Yeah. Like, I guess. Uh, I, 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 in retrospect, I'm not sure exactly why, what the impetus was, but – he, he said he just said that to me. And, 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 and I, but so often, I mean, it never it never goes beyond the we should piece. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah well, so, yeah. So I asked him, I was like, do you want it to be like a shorter feature? And he was like, well, I was thinking like 40 minutes. And I was like, well, at 40 minutes, you might as well just make a feature. Right. It took me, a, I don't know, a year and change to write the script or whatever on and off. Um, but uh, I got a bunch of my uh, a lot of my brother's friends who were older and uh, kind of understood time commitments. Uh, so I, w- I was blessed in that it was like able to have people that would actually show up when you tell them to and 
and hang out all night and shoot all night in my, you know, parents' house, yeah. you know, over a summer. And it was awesome because I, I actually, with, with the exception of losing an actor the day before our first day of shooting, um, I, I actually was totally fortunate of never having to deal with the like flaky, like, Oh, I don't know. I want to go to a movie. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I know. had nothing but that. It was, I, I, I was pushing a boulder uphill, uh, for, for three years as a 15 to 19 year old kid. I think it was over, over time, but I was, it's funny cause I was, um, Nobody would ever give the advice of like, uh, you know what, to learn how to make a movie, go make a feature. Like nobody would, would give that <laughs> advice. But I think it, maybe you agree because you went through it. Um, now that I've done it, I feel like I almost would give that advice. I'd be like, look, don't expect it to be good. But, you know, if you, if, if you really stay the course and get an hour and a half of edited footage on a screen – like you're going to you're you're going to go over so many hurdles that are going to get you so so much further ahead for the next project that it might not be a bad idea. I was talking to one of the the previous episodes. I was talking to a guy who who's also a short filmmaker and mm. he had submitted around to a lot of festivals and actually had a lot of success and mm. he said, "You know, I've he's, he said my my philosophy is it's it's whatever 10,000 hours to mastery. Um I'd rather make lots of short films than than try to, you know, make a he he used a a pot analogy. It's like, I'd rather try to make lots and lots of shitty pots than, you know, try to make my best possible pot <laughs> if, in, in this pottery yeah. class of filmmaking. And I, as I tell my wife this and she was like, yeah, but she was like, if you think back to that first movie we made, it was more like some, you would make a moderately quality pot and then somebody would come in with a baseball bat and smash it. And the next morning you'd have to sort of tr- piece it together again. And <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, yeah, it's true. And it does, it, it teaches you a lot, but what were you? So, I mean, if you already at 16, were thinking about the venue and thinking about the format, you obviously had some kind of film background. Were you, you know, were you a big film kid or did you come into it? What were you watching around that time? Well, it's, it's, it's actually, it's strange because I, I didn't, um, in that I didn't grow up with films so much, uh, and especially horror films, which is obviously my major, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, genre preference. Um, but as a kid, I actually hated horror films because uh, they scared the shit out of me. And for the most part, I, just, I, I was kind of bored by television and, and films, even though I watched a lot of it. It was like one of those like weird dichotomies where it was like, uh, I, I had so much energy that I always wanted to be running around. Mm. But I watched a ton of TV, but I didn't necessarily like it very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there was, yeah, there was a moment when I was in eighth grade where I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the for the second time, and it all clicked. It like it all made sense. Somehow. Isn't that funny? That that's a movie that a lot of people say. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre changed it for me. What do you think it is about that movie? It was the first movie for me that I I noticed the. Uh, the various aspects of filmmaking. Mm. It was the first time I ever saw a movie for some of its parts. Um, I, I noticed cinematography. I noticed uh, atmosphere. I noticed the soundtrack or the lack thereof. And just feeling totally creeped out by it in a way that I had never been able to look at film before. I'd, it always had been this thing that the, this unattainable unimaginable thing that just kind of happens. Yeah. That's what, that that's extremely common. And I think, I think really great um, that, you know, that 
filmmaking as an art is this thing that's trying to sort of hide itself. It's trying to hide its own craft and hide what goes into it. And so many filmmakers, myself included, um, it, it's that first movie that you can actually see behind the curtain a little bit that makes you go, oh, like, so I could pick up a camera and do that. It's not, you know, the movies aren't just generated by the movie robot or something like that. Yeah. For, for me, it was it was um, initially South Park with construction paper animation. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, that you can just like cut up construction you, yeah. paper, yeah. make a cartoon. And then I saw their their first movie, which was distributed by Troma, the, the Cannibal the Musical. And I was yeah. barely paying attention to the movie, and I was paying way more attention to how much goddamn fun it looked to make a movie. Right. And and that's what kind of got me into it. Um, but I think there's lots of you know I think like a lot of kids, like a very young high school age kids, still watch like Requiem for a Dream, for instance, because that's a movie that that employs a lot of visual techniques that. Uh, you can sort of see how they did it, but you can also understand how it's effective and how it affects the story. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you like dived right into Dave Lynch, like <laughs> it, 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 it might be weird enough to interest you, but you're not necessarily or or Kubrick, you're not going to be like, um, oh, now I know how to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. So and it's also interesting you say that you weren't really like way into it. I was sort of the same way where um, my parents weren't movie people. Uh, yeah. They they my my taste was comprised of whatever VHSs they already bought for me, mm-hmm. um, which they never pre-screened. It was just whatever I had in the collection was like, yeah, OK, this this should work. And um, and I think that that kept filmmaking and film uh, weird and new and interesting mm-hmm. um, and not just commonplace. And it sounds like that kind of happened with you with horror to an extent where you're like, it actually does scare me. So that's what keeps it interesting and keeps me wanting to try it. Well, it, what happened for me was that I, as a kid, I just I couldn't do it. it. It it scared me too much. Like my brother was always really into. He would always be watching like, you know, uh, Friday the Thirteenth installment or whatever, and and I just I'd have to leave the room really? every time. Um, and and when it hit, it all just made sense in a way that 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 film hadn't before, in the way horror hadn't before, and it was. It was it was like a light switch, and after after it was turned on, it was like it it hasn't been turned off, and it's just like I saw I saw Texas Chainsaw, and I was like I have to go back to Blockbuster. I like there are so many more movies that I have to see, and and you know, and so I was like I need The Hills Have Eyes, and Last House on the Left, and and, and Dawn of the Dead, and, and and it was always just like at, at that point it just didn't stop. There was no <laughs> your life was ruined. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> that's, that's a blast. I, I, I really miss that. Um, and I try to I try to keep that excitement up and, and some of that naivete, um, th- like that that sense of discovery and like what the fuck else is out there? What, what have I been missing all this time? So yeah. what's the so in terms of becoming a maker, you know, trying trying your hand at it for the first time, what what do you what's when's the first time you go out and do something? It's not the feature, I take it. No. Um, but I mean, so I started out as, a, as an actor. Um more so in in fourth grade, my parents made me take acting classes, um, even though I, I fought kicking and screaming. But it was like, in retrospect, made, it made perfect sense as I was a, a very uh, active child with a, a, a very active imagination. So they were like, "This little fucker is going to be a an actor someday." Let's yeah. Let's, they, were, let's well, they, they, they they just knew that 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 I had something that it was like I was able to you know I mean they, they always said as a kid. I was able to like talk people into anything mm. that, you know, it was just like, I was very strong willed. And I think that that's the sort of thing that's like, if you're an artist in any way, you sort of in many ways have to be. 
And so I think uh, I, uh, they, they had this idea that, that acting would be good for me, whether or not I would actually become an actor, but just something to sort of corral my artistic endeavors or whatever. And uh, so that happened for a while. And uh, in high school, I had a friend who really got into making films um, on a really on a, on a small level but uh, but it was like he got final cut he had a, he had a camera and so there was like this whole opportunity to edit which was always um, the allure because the in-camera editing of your VHS camera doesn't right cut it. <laughs> you know, like literally like like you know, you know i'd see films and i'm like why can't i do why can't my thing look like that and yeah. it's like because <laughs> you're trying to cut inside the camera did you ever do tape to tape did you ever try that no i actually didn't have i had like a i had a a, a high eight camera i didn't have a vhs camera mm-hmm. so it was like and I, and i just wasn't tech savvy yeah. and and up until recently i i i i really haven't been tech savvy for the majority of my filmmaking uh, endeavors. Um, but yeah, and so it was just like, so he brought this, the, the, the angle of editing and, and that was a whole new thing and you could add music that wasn't playing on a boom box next yeah, to your next camera. next to the speaker, yeah. Um, or, you know, whatever. And so, uh, he, you know, he would direct these things and we'd be in it or I'd, or I'd want to hold the camera or whatever. And as we were doing it more and more, I got a lot more interested in working behind the scenes and I started doing stuff uh, at my high school with plays, directing plays and doing, you know, stage crew and stuff like that. And as it just happened, I I just got more and more into films and more and more into the idea of directing and being in charge of the whole thing and and having a creative vision and and calling the shots with the camera and directing actors and everything like that. but really, before the feature, I myself made one short, and then I was like, "All right, I'm good for and the then feature." Dive in, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I almost think it's a it's a good way to do something. I mean, it it, it would be kind of like if somebody was like, "I want to run a marathon someday," and you're like, "Well, didn't go out and put some shoes on, <laughs> go yeah. go run a marathon, Just go for it." Yeah, um, and then you you end up going to film school, right? Yeah. Uh, at it, it, where, where do you uh, hail from, by the way? Where did you grow up? I'm from Long Island. Oh, you were uh, from Long Island. Okay. Um, what made you choose Boston? Just nearby, or? Yeah, I I had gone to a college fair, and there was a, a representative from Emerson there, and it was the first school that I had talked to that the person who was repping them actually seemed to know what they were talking about mm. and seemed cool and. I think the thing that, that clinched it was the idea of the BFA. Yes. Um, where they were like, I mean, the person pitched it really well. They were just like, yeah, at the end of the whole thing, you know, they give you a bunch of money, which wasn't true, uh, uh, but could have been if Emerson had uh, figured out their grant program, like their, their finishing t- funds program. There was no finishing funds for don't, my year. Don't they toss you a few bucks, though, up front? No, they gave they gave us they uh, they gave us like six rolls of film. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know uh, that ended. Up the, we were promised like up to three thousand dollars finishing funds. That didn't happen because of the way they mismanaged the 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 grant or whatever. But regardless, they they pitched it as you know Emerson gives you a, a bunch of money and you make a film. Yeah. You know, like like your big film, and I was like, "Done. That sounds great." And, <laughs> if, and it felt to you like someday you're gonna get to make like you know, it, it was almost um, 
like a laboratory uh, studio situation where I'm given money, I go make my movie. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so I don't know. I mean, I went up there and I checked it out and it, it, it worked. It was like exactly what I wanted it to be. And I didn't need to see anywhere else. Like, I mean, I went, I went to NYU to check it out to see what it was like. And I, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But it was just like, I was, I was pretty smitten with Emerson. Yeah. Um, by the time I was there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. And, and, and Boston was great because, I hated New York, which is where I live now, um, <laughs> until, uh, until pretty much until I moved here. Um, so it was one of those things where it was like I couldn't I, – I don't think I would have been able to deal with living in New York going to NYU at that point. Um, but Boston was a much more uh, manageable city. I don't even know how you get into Tish though. Like is it even possible or like who, who, whose dick do you have to suck? I don't know. I got waitlisted and then rejected. Oh, so did you? I, yeah, I was just rejected yeah, yeah. outright. And I was I was the valedictorian of my school, so I was like, and I had made I had made some veiled attempt to make a feature. So I was just like, I don't know what you have to do. Yeah, um, be the third Olsen twin or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I lived an hour south of of Boston, and um, I had no idea there was a film school in our backyard. Uh, until the we actually much had less, a, much less more than one. Yeah, yeah. But as it turned out. Uh, but we had uh, a very small video program with like a you know maybe five or six VHS cameras at my high school, which is actually more than a lot of high schools have I think. Um, but the whole thing was run by uh, a news cameraman at Fox Twenty Five News for Boston, mm. um, and he was like, "You should check out Emerson. It's uh, I see it sometimes." <laughs> he knew very little about it. That's great pitch. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, okay." But then yeah, when I went up there and they were like, uh, we're a liberal arts school that tries our best to not bog you down with liberal arts. We're, we're, we're going to give you a liberal arts degree and we're going to try to treat you like it's a trade school. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> that's, very, <laughs> that's very appealing to an 18 year old who who thinks he already is good at filmmaking and just needs to be given some equipment or something like that. Um, <laughs> and now it's like now that I want to teach and I have an MFA and whatnot, it's it's really nice to have gone through that and to remember the 18 year olds mindset and be like uh you know <laughs> it's this kind of dilemma for film schools where it, it, it's how you it's it's how you bring in the kids but mm-hmm. you can't you can't let them do what they want to do <laughs> <laughs> All so, right, here. stop it yeah <laughs> so speaking of which you um so you go to emerson and you look around and are there any other horror guys uh that you're able to to connect with or no uh no uh, <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I mean, Emerson, Emerson, like every film school is like, you know, it's mostly people that want to be serious filmmakers. Yeah. Um, and I and I don't count myself as as a, a serious filmmaker in 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 the same way. Um, obviously, I'm very serious about what I what I want to do. But it's, it you know, the the types of films I want to make are not high art. Um, I always not- throw out the uh, like Lloyd Kaufman you know, has this little statement that he's made many times, which is we, we don't take the content seriously, but we take the effort very seriously. Exactly. And I, like, I, I'm, I'm sure we have that in common where like you, you've never seen anybody like work so hard to make a shit joke as me, <laughs> like three <laughs> years of work and, and learning how to use a computer and how to edit and like where the yeah. venues are all just to get a shit joke out there into the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work regardless of what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Emerson, I mean, what was cool was that although there wasn't anybody there 
uh, doing the same thing. There were a lot of people that appreciated what I was doing. That's so awesome, I, yeah. I, hooked, I hooked up with, with people that where where I was able where they were at least cool with what I was what I wanted to do and and they were interested in in helping me in, in any way that I could and there were definitely enough weird people um in general to sort of inform my future content and um and help me along the way and act for me and crew for me and stuff like that and so although there wasn't like this cachet of like horror nerds in the way that I had hoped there might be. Yeah. Um, there, there was uh, a, a really cool group of people that were like, well, you know, I want to make Requiem or the, you know, the wrestler or, sure. or whatever it is, but I like what you're doing. And that was something that, that I, I hadn't really found as much at home, you know, making stuff. Uh, I mean, again, people, my, my family and friends were extremely supportive, but you know, there's, uh, the the appreciation wasn't wasn't uh, as much there just because you know small town Long Island versus metropolitan film school it's like yeah. you're gonna find pe- a lot more people at film school that'll that'll at least understand what you're doing I think like low budget horror filmmakers um, they they tend to make for really good film educators I think so I've made three features. Um, you know, one of them is is just a completely silly fucking comedy. Uh, one of them is about a half man, half ape, but it's supposed to be sort of like a like a romantic comedy or or pose as one. Yeah. Um, and the third one's a legit romantic comedy. I've never made a horror movie, mm-hmm. um, and yet my my peers, like everybody that I fit in with, all the festivals I've ever uh, screened at, it's always horror and or some. Something related to horror, like something, like we're the freaks, like somewhat subversive, yeah. Yeah, we're the we're the freak film festival, um, and it's it's and if if you look at like everything I've read or especially when I was younger, like how to make a movie and and where to go and what the first steps are, it's all it's always been uh, horror guys, yeah. Um, and I think it's because there's the there's this inherent um, willingness to compromise that um, <laughs> that, that you don't really see in. Uh, uh, yeah, and the higher art folks, um, and it's also and it's and it's so necessary for making a film on no budget. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I was t- uh, talking to. Uh, I'm putting together this this really self indulgent Blu-ray of our first movie, uh, <laughs> our worst movie, our best Blu-ray. And um, I was talking to one of the main actors who was like, you know, I remember having a really hard time. Uh, giving a fuck about each take because you didn't seem to get like you would show up without a script or you'd show out show up without details fleshed out and whatnot. So he was like, it seemed you didn't care, uh, so why should I? And yet I spent three years making the movie, so I cared about something. The, 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 he couldn't wrap his head around the idea that like, um, you know, I'm I'm willing to compromise everything to complete it. Yeah. Um. And I and and a lot of artists uh, and and maybe they're better artists for it. Uh. Than I am, that are are way will you know are not willing to compromise, um, but I think that's the difference between having something completed and not having it completed. Yeah, I mean, especially at this stage of the game, there, there, there. I feel like there are, are are places where it is important not to compromise, and there are places where it is important to compromise, and it comes down to what your means are and what your end product is, and it's the sort of thing where it's like. If you're making a low-budget horror film and you literally have no money to do something, yep. you're going to have to compromise in some way because 
you're going to have to skimp on uh, equipment or effects or paying people or, or, or getting that perfect prop or, or whatever it is because there's just no way of doing it the way you would do it if you had money. There, but, you know. but don't you don't you learn where the compromises have to be and where they cannot be oh, yeah. by doing? And For so sure. if you you can't know that from afar. You can't know that in the you know if if you've never made a movie before, if you've only made a few small ones in the script phase. I I think it takes like a, a monotonous amount of filmmaking attempts before you're like, you know what? That doesn't cost a dime and it's and I really shouldn't compromise on it. Uh, yeah. Things like performance, um, you know, and, and you learn tricks on how to get performances out of non-actors and, and and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, when when people want a project to be a success, the I, I think there's a tendency to have a um, maybe one of the, the more shallow ways of getting it, which is like, well, I'm going to have to raise money and money will solve all those problems when so many. Look, if money solved problems, every single studio film would be a plus would be perfect. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's just like, it's just not the case. Um, and so I well, think it's, it's by forcing yourself through projects that you learn the, you know, and, and, and so what that means is first few projects compromise at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you get better, um, start to, you know, be like last time that really fucked us. Uh, I'm not oh, going to budge on that one, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like what you're talking about. Um, with, the, with, with horror films, it's like, the reason that horror films are such good teachers is because typically, for the most part, they are at least somewhat high concept and or have some, some complicated things involved. Yes. And so many times does a horror film have to be made with, with significantly less money than it should. And so it forces the filmmakers over time to figure out ingenious ways to create those things, whether that is gory effects or interesting camera work. Injecting know, comedy. I mean, comedy will, will cover any bad effect. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's one of those things where it's like it, it, it teaches you all of the, the free or, or, or low budget ways to do all those things by failing at them before as, as you, as you have them in mind and, you know, as a, as a budding filmmaker. And yeah. and yeah, I think as you're saying, it's like the more you do it, the more you go like, Oh, okay, well this is, and, and, and you, and you can realize it earlier in the stages. What, when you're writing, there's a, there's a sense of like, you know, I mean, at least at the point where I'm at, it's like, I'm writing for what I have or what I can get. Yeah. And it's like, it's like I know I can get good performances from people. I know I can get dedicated actors. I know I can get these locations, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be looking for something that is totally with out of my out of my means because you kind of have a uh, an understanding of like, oh, okay, this this is feasible. This is totally not a techno crane shot, you know, that yeah. I don't realize is a techno crane shot because I have. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like, oh, it just, it swoops in and, and yeah, it's going to swoop guys. <laughs> Don't you know what a swoop is? We've been watching a bit too much, uh, King Kong. <laughs> did you, um, that is. did they make you shoot? So they give you free film. Did they make you shoot on film for the BFA? Yeah. Um, it was, I, we were, we were the last class I think that had to it was, we, we were the, um, I think we were the last class that you had to shoot and finish on film. Yeah. Um, 
That's, exp- was, that's expensive, man. Which was expensive. It was extremely expensive. <laughs> um, but I think at the end of it, uh, I'm I'm really happy that it happened because I mean I I love film. Uh, I don't get to shoot it as much as I'd like to, but I I still think 16 is among the the best tools, especially for a genre filmmaker. Um, so the the experience of being able to work with it and work through the kinks and uh, I mean I think the film looks great for uh, especially for what it is. The aesthetic is perfect. Yeah, um, it looks fantastic. It ended, uh, although it ended up being really expensive, the coolest thing I think about the film is the fact that I have a 16 millimeter print um, that is right now living in a in a all 16 millimeter micro cinema in Toronto that screens every once in a while before films like Squirm or like Blue Sunshine. <laughs> the dream just, is to get MST3K along the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I know that they've screened it at least twice to you know, full, full houses. That's and awesome. That it always, it, it's gone over well. So, I mean, I think that that sort of physical product is, is awesome and probably something I'm not going to have for a long time. Yeah. I've, 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 um, I've really kind of battled against the idea of, of, um, of people being, you know, putting their foot down and saying, I have to shoot on film. It's always seemed like sort of an asinine thing to me. And, and yet, um, now that everybody kind of is on board with that thought, now I'm starting to love film all over again. Now that everybody has moved away from it, like I remember watching your movie and being like, "This is this is this has got to be 16." Like if, if he had shot this on DV, like most of the charm of this uh, could could be compromised. Yeah. Um, and the you know the black and white looks really great. It had an awesome contrast, um, and yet it had that kind of that 16 resolution and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, is that available outside of the print? Of course, is that online or anything? Can people see that? Yeah, yeah, it's on our it's on our Vimeo on our website, Um It's totally available. It's been on there for a bit. Um, hopefully, it will continue to screen uh, at festivals. I think it's going to be screening. Um, we have a retrospective at a at a, uh, um, at a festival in Colombia in a couple of weeks. So that I think that will be its its next stop. Um, should be cool. It's a fun movie. Pe- people should really watch it. Um, and 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 <laughs> keeping in mind everything you've been saying about how this was made, you know, in uh, uh, maybe around some other pretentious filmmakers. I, I think that kind of adds to the fun. Um, so so you've become something of a of an exhibitor then. Uh, once you got involved in in Infest, talk talk about going from so you graduate, you have this movie in your back pocket, you go to New York, and what happens then? Well, actually, uh, Infest started at Emerson. Um, oh, it did. It, it was it was a thing that we started as a a, a venue f- to screen uh, the film that we completed simultaneously with that, like he'll be done, which is our uh, which is a nunsploitation film that we did, and uh, we <laughs> did shot you just say it. nunsploitation? Nunsploitation, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a film about uh, an inner city church where the Monsignor priest is killed by a gang of hoodlums. So the nuns and the clergy vow bloody revenge. How many how many films are in that genre? <laughs> uh, surprisingly many. Really? There, there was there was actually I mean uh, it, it has a long and varied history, but uh, I mean films like uh, Killer Nun and uh, School of the Holy Beast and uh, Demonia. There the a lot of like Euro trash from the from the 70s and 80s where it was like an excuse to have like biblical imagery yes. um, filled with like lesbians yeah. um 
Satan, they, Satan was a big part of 70s horror. Yeah, um, and and especially in, in, in bad, like, Jess Franco's, you know, Spanish, yes. French movies. Um, so Nunfoitation sort of was that for a while. And his, his recently, we, we didn't even know that we were a part of a, a movement until after the fact, that there, there's been this sort of weird resurgence of Nunsploitation uh, revenge films in the last five years or so. Um, there is a movie, I think, called Bad Habits. Um, there is a movie called uh, New Nuns with Big Guns that came out almost at the same time. Um, there was a, there was a, a group of uh, Rhode Island, Boston filmmakers that actually made a film called None of That. Um, <laughs> That was a non-exploitation revenge film that that apparently was made. Uh, I don't know. I guess a couple months before our film, and they were releasing it around the time when we were starting to shoot. And uh, I actually found uh, a, a couple of threads after the fact on like some movie forums of one of the main actors saying that we ripped them off um, by making a non-exploitation film in in the area uh, you know and he was bitching that it was like he was like man local it was called local film company rips off other local film company yeah he was just like he was like man these kids are are ripping us off even before a dvd is out and stuff like that i was like i don't know about your film i don't know what to tell you he just wanted the monopoly on like uh you know the the greater the greater rhode island area uh, having anything to do with nunsploitation, uh, if you do it, you're ripping us off. Yeah, it was it was it was really bizarre. It was a good thing that I found it like two years after the film was finished because I would have freaked out on him because yeah. like he actually emailed us while we were casting and was like, "Hey, did you guys um, did you guys like get influenced by our film or whatever?" And 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 I did this with uh, I directed this film with my buddy Casey. And he got an email, and he was like, "What should I respond to this? Is he like asking if we're ripping him off?" And I'm like, "No." And we like watched the trailer, and we're like, "This is totally different." It was like really silly, um, you know. It had a lot of like, you know, like dick and fart joke type stuff, which yeah. is fine. But but we we sort of went not what you did a lot, yeah, a lot more straightforward with it. Um, and and I was just like, I don't think this is like our movie at all um and you know, the, you know the end of the the boards the forums or whatever were like the guys being like yeah these guys are on like a different level than we are oh, <laughs> um but uh but when we finished the film we finished the film we finished mad mooney and i kill at the same time um and like he'll be done the non-exploitation film um had such a process Involved, it was like it, you know it was funded by one of the on-campus uh, clubs, so like a ton of people worked on it. We had like a crew of like eighty, um, which is stupid, but um, is the sort of thing that's like you needed. Be, be, if you got funding from the school or from one of these clubs, you had to take everybody who came out sure. for a position. So we had to. It wasn't like we needed eighty people for because crew. they're putting money into the club, and they're they're putting money into the club because they're trying to get as many students involved in extracurriculars. So if you're involved, yeah. we've funded it. They're all coming for the ride. Yeah. So um, so we had you know so a lot of people. There was a lot of buzz on campus about the film, which was strange, but uh, but but really cool. And we were like. We were sort of racking our brains as to how we would get it exhibited or like like screened anywhere, 
where people, where everybody who'd been wanting to see it and saying how much they wanted to see it would actually be able to see it. Right. So we we rented out some space at a at a theater around the corner from from campus at the um, the uh, the Stewart Street Playhouse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now I don't think a movie theater anymore. I think but it like, still is. I think they they oh, went they went from two cinemas to one. Um, oh, but they're okay. they're hanging on by a thread. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't seem it was it was a place. It's a really cool venue. Yeah, um, with unfortunately low attendance. Well, they're behind um, like a parking garage. Yeah, I know. It's it's yeah. it's like it's like a great area, but also the worst like placement for a theater. Yeah, you just don't notice it. Is the pro- uh, uh, It's an otherwise great little movie theater. Yeah, um, and so we ended up talking to the guy, and we rented out the space for like two hundred fifty bucks for like a four hour block, and we screened. We were like, we were like, let's do. I was like, rather than just doing our one fifteen-minute film, let's make a thing out of it, and we'll screen everybody. You know, all the films that we think are really good that aren't going to be able to get seen by so many people. Mm-hmm. So we sort of we did a shorts block, and then we did our buddy's uh, Ben Brewer's feature beneath contempt, uh, which I had worked on, which was amazing. is is an incredible film, um, and and we and we. So and we put on Infest as as we called it at that point was uh, you know the idea was it was like it was like a little festival and uh, it was such a success we had about 200 fe- 250 people show up uh, for the for the screening and we we're like we had such a good time with it that we did it again the next year uh, on campus again for sort of to showcase some of our stuff and some of the other stuff that was coming out of Emerson that was really cool. Um, and since I've moved here, it didn't really make sense to do it at Bo- in Boston anymore, especially because having been graduated, I don't know so many people there. I don't, I'm, my, I don't have my finger on the pulse anymore on what's being created there. But now that I've been doing a lot of spending a lot of time at film festivals and meeting people and checking out cool films, um, I figured I would do something like that, you know, like like using uh, the films that I see that I really enjoy. Um, and I had a couple of friends who'd worked at, who were volunteering at the spectacle in Brooklyn and they were like, that would be perfect for, for, for this venue. So got in touch with them and, and they were really into it. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a curated screening series, but, um, I take submissions. Um, I, we've screened some, some of the stuff from submissions, uh, so far, um, gotten a lot of really varied stuff, um, but yeah, so it's it's sort of lived on in this in this second way of of being this uh, this screening series of of weird and underground and, and and strange stuff that you probably wouldn't see anywhere else, which is kind of the mo of the of the of the spectacle as is. Mm, so I perfect. thought it, it was it was in keeping with with what they were doing. Um, so how can people uh, submit? And you said it's monthly, right? Yeah. Um, I typically do two to three screenings a month, um, sometimes more, sometimes less. But um, typically typically it's about two or three. Um, you can uh, shoot me an email at grefproductions at gmail. Um, best way is to just send me a link um, if, it's, if it's available. Otherwise, I can give my address and people can send discs. Was that G-R-E-T-H Productions? Yes. At Gmail. Yeah. Um, and you, you're, you're not just looking for horror necessarily. You're looking for anything that's, that's small and cool, right? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it's like anything, 
Um, anything that is weird, wild, subversive, crazy, or otherwise pretty off kilter. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we screened your film Sexually Frank, which I thought was perfect for it because it's this romantic comedy that is hilarious and totally subversive, especially in its use of language and its uh, understanding of uh, Frank sexuality uh, uh, and in, in a way that mainstream movies just really don't have a, a way of uh, handling it. So it's like anything that is pretty well to the left of mainstream, I think it's, is perfect for the series. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've done horror stuff. Uh, we've done experimental stuff, um, music videos. It's like, it's all fair game as long as it's, as long as it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing about making movies on your own dime. We, you know, we talked a lot about, uh, uh, the learning process and, and getting through those first projects. And I think it's only in, in, in my case, I would say sexually Frank was the first movie that I made that actually had something to say. Um, and it wasn't just trying to complete something and you learn, you learn the, the creative space that you're working in, which is I, I I'm the only one I have to answer to at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, I really better make something that nobody normally gets to see. Um, I think I mean you're doing a, a huge even just a like I mean screening monthly uh, cool subversive small stuff I mean you're doing a really really big service for people out there trying to make shit so uh, there's not a lot of people like you there should be more people like you it's it's really commendable um, I wish that I could have gone so so what ended up happening was I went off to if you know if if you have any uh, curiosity as to whether or not I would actually go to see my film get screened. I mean, I went to Sydney, Australia, <laughs> not knowing, <laughs> not knowing whether or not it was a, it was a big fest or what the deal was. Cause they had a pretty dinky website. And so I didn't know what to think of it. Uh, mm -hmm. but it was Catherine Ramey once again, who connected us, who was like, you should submit to Sydney. And I hadn't, uh, spoken to Greg in a few years, pro probably since, uh, we screened the movie, maybe said hi here or there. Yeah. Um, and then I go out there and I'm on the other end of the world and this little movie called Sinkhole pops up. Uh, dude fucks a sink, gets his cock chopped off. <laughs> and uh, and then Greg Hansen. And I was like, holy shit, man. Like, I'm on the other end of the world. And then also one of our professors, actually, um, Paul Toronto, had a movie out there, too, which was oh, yeah. crazy. Um, so I hit him up and I was like, saw, I'm, I'm in Australia right now. I just saw your movie. And then you, you let me know about it. And uh, yeah, I was all my wife and I who my wife's in the movie. We were all booked up, ready to go. Uh, anywhere that our movie is playing will be there. Um, and then this little hurricane called Sandy hit. Um, and right. I believe right now, even still, uh, the, the city of New York is out of gas. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I was like, I don't think this is going to happen. Um, and I was ready to, I was, I was ready to make some, uh, to take some risks. There were, I have some friends that live that way. Some of the actors live out there and they were like, you can try. They were like, you can come out. Uh, you know, we should be able to get a cab. It needs to be at least three people in the cab and we should mm. be able to make that work. But then it was when it was actually the morning of. I had spent all morning uh, uh, getting my wife's refunded, but getting my own ticket and whatnot. And I got an IM from Maya, who played Sarah in the movie, and she's like, "I want you to come out here, and I want to go to the screening." She's like, "But you should probably know there's no gas in the city, and getting <laughs> it like finding a cab that's going to go from from uh, the island to Brooklyn might might not happen." Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like Mad Max out there. I better stay behind. Um, <laughs> but so you, you ended up getting a, a small crowd then? Yeah, there are definitely uh, uh, people showed up, which is nice, uh, especially considering, 
the way public transit is out here and it's I mean it's it's got it was it started getting better yesterday but has still you know is still not at full capacity um so getting anybody to go anywhere at that point is uh yeah. it's is tough um but we we got people and uh the people who showed up really really dug it you know i mean like i said i i, I my buddy francis was howling throughout the awesome. movie you know every time Anytime anybody ever said fag, he lost it. <laughs> he was just like he was having a blast, and and you know, um, he said how much he he loved it and how much he loved the the trailer and and everything like that. So that's really um, nice. And thank you for yeah, you guys cut together. Well, you cut together a, a little trailer for the movie, and um, it's so it's so fun to finally get to you know to watch somebody else edit something. <laughs> it never happens. I, I I'm I'm in charge of all the footage. Uh, so that's really cool. So thanks very much for doing that. Yeah. Um, so what's, uh, what, what's screening next month? Uh, you got anything scheduled yet or still getting stuff together? Uh, December is actually our like best of month. So, um, because of the holidays and people are, uh, you know, traveling and going home and, and having off and stuff like that, uh, the theater kind of, uh, pairs down a little bit. And so it's, we do a sort of a recap of, of the past 11 months and we take the stuff that we think uh, was the coolest stuff that we screened um, that maybe didn't get seen as much as we'd like to, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we do a big best of uh, throughout the month. So that's kind of what's coming up in December. Uh, at the end of the month in November, we're, uh, we have another Infest screening of uh, Modern Love is Automatic, which is a really fun, um, similarly uh, uh sort of like an anarchic comedy about um, a woman who moon uh, a nurse who's extremely bored who moonlights as a dominatrix to sort of uh, get out of her life her extremely boring life and, and spice it up and it's, it, it was a cool pairing between the two films because it's like it, they're both kind of subver- subversive films dealing with sexuality uh, in a modern landscape. Um, and they're both, they're totally different, but have share a lot of really nice qualities. So I'm excited to see, uh, people's reactions to that. And that'll be on the, on the 25th and we'll have a uh, writer, director, Brooklyn local, uh, Zach Clark there, uh, in attendance, which should be fun. Um, but we're going to, we're going to ramp up again in January. We're going to have some cool stuff. Um, yeah, people can see the, um, the whole spectacle theater calendar at spectacletheater.com. Yeah. Um, and I would really encourage, especially young filmmakers, to, to – I mean, this is the kind of shit you should be watching, um, things that are a little against the current. And also you're going to be able to meet, meet filmmakers, um, not just the people that are screening that night, but also people like Greg and the people that actually put this thing on. Um, and if you're an actor, same, same difference. If you're looking for projects to get involved with, these are dudes – and gals who are screening completed movies and you need to be finding <laughs> directors who can complete movies um, so that you can be in them and, uh, and actually have a DVD for your reel. Uh, Greg, uh, you're a really nice guy. Uh, you've been nothing but responsive and awesome. You, you screened my movie. I can't thank you enough. And thanks very much for, for talking to me on this little podcast we do. That's really nice. Cool. Thanks for having me. I had a, I had a blast. All right, man. We'll talk soon. And if you, uh, yeah, whatever the next movie is, I'll be sure to send it your way. And um, and please keep me up to date with, with your projects. I'd love to see if we can get some screenings down here, too. That sounds great. All right, man. Cool, thanks. Thank you.